Thank you for checking out Coffee Pods, a Coffee Break length look into the Christian healing ministry. Through honest discussion, season six has us talking about when our own healing journey has been challenged. So, whether you're a cappuccino, a latte, or an Americano, there's something here for you. So pick up your coffee mug, plug in your earbuds, and let's talk. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Coffee Pods Conversations. My name is Lisa and I'm here with Wes. Hi. So today we've got a really interesting question that has come through from one of our listeners in regards to healing. And the question is, am I being punished? And so this is in particularly when I'm sick, is God punishing me? And I guess the big issues are, what is the picture of God that we carry in us? And where did we get it from? I mean, what a question. And actually, if you've um, asked this question ever, then let me just say right at the beginning, you are so loved by God. And and we'll come to that in the end. You really are. And let that be the springboard from which you jump off. I think the issue, Lisa, is that there has been much distortion that's crept into Christian thought, which... um, the early church and indeed the Jews of the Bible would not have recognized this stuff that we've got in the church in our days that, that the early Christians and, and certainly historic biblical Jews would not have, have understood or, or have accepted as true. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it, that of all the creeds, whichever creed you say on Sunday and however you sing it, whether by Matt Redman or by Augustine, um, the real truth is none of them contain the truth that God is love. I mean, just think about that. I mean, no one of them states that God is love. Um, And yes, he is truth. He is justice. He is holy. But all of that is mediated through the reality that the heart of the Trinity is the fullest possible expression of love. Um, it's undeserved, it's unmerited, it's, un, um, avo- it's unavoidable, but at the heart of God is, is God is love. Wow, what a great way to start this conversation. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> In relation to healing, what might some of the distortions be? Well, what, I mean, you, you raised one, which is, is great, um, the issue of punishment. Um, and it's interesting. I mean, I, I, the things that I read in pursuit of understanding God and the healing ministry, but I read The God Delusion by uh, Richard Dawkins and, and, and his big quote. I mean, it, you know, if, as you hear it, you're going to go, what? He says, the God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction, jealous and proud of it, petty unjust, unforgiving control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty ethnic cleanser, a misogynist, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filiocidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadiomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. I mean... (laughs) You deserve a cookie for that, Wes. (laughs) Wow, thank you. I mean, and of course, if, if if you take that, that God cannot wait for you, to get something wrong so that he can beat the living daylights out of you. And funnily enough, 
little bit of Christian thing there. He can beat the living daylights out of Jesus on the cross. Where do you get that from? Because you don't get that simply out of the Bible. You get that out of something else. And it's really interesting that many of what we would know now as the proponents of new atheism, they all had family trauma early on in life. It's really interesting when you begin to take a look at that, or many of them did, not all yeah. of them. And so the truth is, I think you you get that out of religion. You don't get that out of the God that the Bible uh, reveals. And so things like, for instance, the book of Job, you read the book of Job and you think, oh, my goodness me. You know, if God was ever going to do a PR job, it might have been good to leave the book of Job out because it's interpreted with the implication that God is complicit in Job's suffering. But actually, it doesn't say that. All the activity is Satan's activity. It's, it's, it's not God's. It's really interesting. But we, we hear it that way. And of course, I mean, big questions are, is I mean, you know, what do you think? Is, is the book of Job literal or is it poetry? Because it actually comes in, in what is known as the wisdom literature of, of the Bible, which is, you know, take, take Proverbs. I mean, Proverbs can say one thing, one verse, and the opposite, the next verse, and both of them are true, depending on the circumstance you're in. So there's a, there's a whole lot um, uh, to do with that. Um, and I think the big issue you've got to ask is... What, when God punishes, it's always, 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 always his last resort, having exhausted every other possible means to get our attention. And so, I mean, just look at look at the prophets. I mean, they, they spent centuries coming to plead with Israel. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Change, change. Come, come back to God. Let's, you know, God's saying, let's reason together over this, you know. And so I think the problem with our culture and even our church culture is that we automatically assume that punishment is God's default position. It's the first thing he does. Yeah. Which actually, if you've ever been a parent, you'll know that's not true. <laughs> Do you think it's also the, the use of the name of the word, sorry, punishment? Because it kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of sounds like what you're saying there with it being his last resort. He's always trying to guide into the right place. And often punishment seems like an evil thing to be doing. No, God's not evil. Yeah. And I think that's why, in a sense, one of the words the Bible would swap around for that is the word judgment. Yeah. Um, And and the reason is, I mean, even if you look at the judgments that God brings on Israel, um, and, and yes, on the church in history and and probably on you and me in some mm. shape or form you know it a, it's always for our good and it's it's always to to bring us in a sense back to um our senses i think one of the problems is that one of the other distortions of truth is that we um we uh, we associate sickness as suffering sent from god yeah and actually, you you cannot get that out of the Bible. That that's not the way it is. And so, um, n- none of us would knowingly inject another person with a terrible and lethal disease just to teach them a lesson. Okay, 
So, but people I've had, you know, I understand people have used the argument about others and about themselves. I mean, I've even heard in, um, you know, one Christian say that another Christian died because God was judging them. And you think, whoa, hang on a minute. You know, I, I'm not even sure I'm qualified to speak at that level for yeah, God. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? But I think, you know, some people use it of themselves, you know, and, and it's interpreted, this is my cross to bear on a whole, we talked about those before. The interesting thing, Lisa, is in that process, we make God less humane than we are. I, I'd never inject anybody with cancer just to teach them a lesson. You know, uh, but we suddenly think, well, yeah, of course God would do that. And I just want to say, how? Isn't it interesting? Even people who aren't Christians, they, in six, and I understand why we do it, and I'll explain that in a minute. (laughs) But the the truth is that we automatically assume that this bad thing God has caused. Yeah. We don't say, well, the devil caused this or somebody else caused this. Mm. And we say God caused it. Actually, it's because ultimately we're looking for God to take responsibility for it. <laughs> it's easy stuff yeah it, it's it's just really interesting um i think i don't know if you could repeat it because i'm probably going to say it wrong but it sounded like a very takeaway point which is we're making god less humane than we are yeah absolutely yeah like wow that's something to write down i think and because you know, <laughs> not only in this topic or question i think we can do that in other areas that might be something we could look at another time <laughs> Like style. And I, I think that's true because the key issue is this distortion of our theology and our thinking then makes us respond to God in ways that uh, that aren't the aren't truth. It's not yeah. the reality. Yeah. So when it comes to punishment, um, what would you say that God's purpose is in that? Oh, easy. It, it's redemption. It's to redeem. It's to buy back, to bring us back uh, to to God, to bring us to our senses. Um, and of course, the interesting thing, isn't it? Um, God doesn't. God is not sitting permanently on the edge of the throne uh, in a state of rage, about to lose it with a broken humanity, and so. When consequence comes, and, and, and it does, we know that there is consequence. I mean, we even know that personally. You know, uh, you do something and there's consequences uh, from it. Um, and, and very often consequences come not because we get caught, but actually because we live in a moral universe. And, and, and we're, we're really glad that we do. Um, for instance, we know that stealing is wrong, mm. right? Not because somebody sat down and said, now, listen, stealing is wrong. It's very naughty. We know stealing is wrong because we know how we feel when somebody steals from us. Yeah. A moral universe. So um, God's purpose is to redeem. Absolutely. So any, anything that comes to us as being a, a sort of a, a pull-up moment, a thing like, hang on a minute, is actually God's desire to to, to rescue us. And of course, that's the message of the cross, isn't it? I mean, think the extent, the extreme lengths that God would go to save us from the fruit of our own behaviours and mm. 
since. Wow. It completely turns it on on its head a little bit um, from where we just started. Um, mm. To You know, you've said love and now you're mentioning redemption. Uh, and these are all such good things that we wouldn't associate with um, the question, maybe, that we started with. Yeah. Um, so how would you say that he achieves achieves this, this redemption? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, you know, we... Because we do rage, because, you know, we talk about road rage, we get, you know, we can get out of control. We automatically assume that that's what God does. He just gets out of control. But he doesn't. You know, I mean, we're talking about love at the heart of the universe, at the heart of the Trinity. So actually, I would say, how does he achieve it? Well, with as little negative impact as possible. You know, if you have keyhole surgery, they can do something really serious to you but actually leave you with a small wound in the process. And actually, that's what God does. You know, whenever he comes to me and says, Wes, we need to sort this out. Actually, I get divine keyhole surgery. He doesn't rip my chest open and say, okay, let's let's rip your heart out now. Mm. Because God actually has as limited impact as possible. In the realm of healing, if we could separate sickness and suffering as separate things, you realize that, God's response to us, he limits any negative to the absolute small amount that he possibly can. Um, I love that in uh, um, in Luke, there's this story where um, it, it, it's from the Passion Translation, Luke 13, and it says, some of those present informed Jesus that Pilate had slaughtered some of the Galilean Jews um, while they were offering sacrifices at the temple, mixing their blood with the sacrifices they were offering. So, Jesus turns and asks the crowd, do you think those who were slaughtered were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? And of course, then there's another story about a tower um, falling uh, on uh, people and, you know, the Tower of Siloam. And he says, do you think those people were worse than the rest? Mm-hmm. And actually, the answer is no, they weren't. You know, I think sometimes the common phrase is, you know, stuff happens, you know, yeah. w- within that. And, and I think Jesus is saying that it's a mistake to think that just because misfortune has struck, that those or us that it impacts are sinners and we deserve it in that way, that God is, is paying us back. Because let's face it, you know, we all deserve it. I mean, if, if this is true, then towers should fall on all of us. Yeah. You know, but I'm really glad it doesn't actually. Um, and the wonder of it is that it doesn't come to us because of our relationship with Jesus. I mean, that's. You know, so if that's true about our sins, I think it's also true about our sicknesses. Yeah, that's really interesting. And so if our if our understanding of God and our default position on punishment does need changing, um, what else comes into play in relation to healing? Mm. Well, <laughs> I think the other one is to do perhaps with, with what the early church fathers, the ascetics, would call your piety. Okay, it's about how God makes and keeps us holy. Okay. okay, so yes, he certainly can use adversity to build up our character and our spiritual resilience. That's something I've been thinking about, our spiritual mm-hmm. resilience and our reliance on him. Um, so uh, Paul would write to the Christians in Rome and he'd say, um, through him, we've gained access by faith into this grace. Um, and he says, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Notice he doesn't say our sicknesses. 
yeah. our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and you know perseverance produces character and and he's got this whole thing that says okay you know even in the midst of adversity god can work some good stuff out of it without causing the adversity in the first place so i think suffering is much more about our will than about what happens to our physical bodies um and so you know it's when we're hard pressed and oppressed where do we we go to where do we where do we run to you know mm. and god's sort of doing that so um the idea that uh, we or god would allow the body to suffer for the sake of the soul increased its holds uh in christianity as as christianity became popular among the greeks and funnily enough the teachings of plato began to infiltrate christian thought so if you said to most Christians, actually, you have a fairly platonic view of, of God, they'd say, no, I don't. I know the Bible. OK, so, for instance, Plato saw the body as a prison from which your soul needed to be set free. And so, so the whole thing was about devaluing the body. OK, and, and that was absorbed into Christian thought. Um, it's why, for instance, the church has had problems with physicality, including healing, right, forever, uh, because it, they haven't got a problem with our literal flesh, which is how they got problems with things like sex and dress and fun and procreation. And yes, healing, too. You know, so in, in that sense, you know, we're the product of some things that's been deposited within us. Um, and so some Christians, um, medieval and, and beyond that, thought that if God really loved you, I mean, what about, what about this? What does this say about God? But they thought that if God really loved you, he would send you great suffering and trials to test your faith so that you could endure and be marked out as a saint. Well, do you pardon me wants to say, OK, if that's the thing, please just leave me absolutely stupid. <laughs> OK, just leave me as I am, you know. What a distortion about God. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and where do you see that in Jesus? You know, Jesus saying, yes, you're going to have some troubles, but hey, I'm with you. It's going to be OK. We're going to work it out. You know, he's not saying, yeah, good luck with that. Mm. You know, so I, so I think there's a thing. I think the flip side of that message was that if you're a weak Christian, then you would go and seek relief from your sickness. And actually, I've known people who have chosen not to go and seek medical help because they think they're not trusting God. And you think, ouch. Um, but of course, actually, sometimes the people who teach that sort of stuff still go to the doctor or go to the medicine cabinet when they're not well. So I think there's a little bit of um, dishonesty there. Um, and actually, I think one of the key things about this is we were made physical creations as well as spiritual and emotional and relational and social. I mean, and therefore they were just denying this beautiful creativity that God has got. And you got a car, Lisa? Yeah. Okay. When it breaks down, what do you do with it? Usually you go, go and get it at the fix at the garage or picked up. <laughs> okay. Because you have a sort of feeling that a car should work. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so you're unlikely just to say it's clearly the RAC's will that this car doesn't work. And I'm going to develop a whole theology about the RAC does not want cars to work anymore. Okay. And so we're just going to let it decay. You go get it fixed because your understanding is that this is what it's supposed to be like. Mm. Well, God is like that. 
he just says, this body doesn't work. We should fix it, mm. which for me is what Jesus always does. That's a lovely way to envision it if you're a visual person. Um, so in answer to the question, is God punishing me because I'm seriously ill? No. Uh, um, or to quote uh, Jim Trotter from The Vicar of Digby, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, because um, I think if we really knew God better, I think we wouldn't ask that question that way necessarily. We'd ask a better question. So if you've ever asked that question, please be greatly encouraged. There's a better question for you to ask. And I think that's, that's really great. Um, if God was going to punish you, he would have had to have told, I mean, he's morally obliged to tell you repeatedly, loud and clear, often frequently, again and again and again, using every single possible means that he has at his disposal. That would include sending angels down and sending prophets and, you know, speaking in clouds. He'd have to tell you and you can't get into a place of punishment by accident. Oops, I did it again. You know, yeah. God, God is not like, I mean, otherwise we make God really petty, like Dawkins said, and, and he's not like that. Jesus is not like that. So um, the great thing, how about this, Lisa? Okay, most of the people, I'd probably say all of the people, including you and me, who are going to be listening to this, we have never made God angry. OK, yeah, I have disappointed him. Certainly. I have broken his heart. Certainly. But actually, very, 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 very few of us have made God steamingly angry to the point that he's going to have to take us out in some way. Mm. But that's the first place we go to. We naturally assume God doesn't like me anymore, you know. But God knows what I'm like, Lisa. I mean, you know, my wife knows what I'm like. You know, yeah. I, I can be an idiot just like anybody else can. <laughs> but actually, his love for me is not based on how well I do. No. Otherwise, I've made him like me. And so I think one of the things is that God knows our weaknesses. Absolutely. He knows all about them. And yes, he, he does know. But he loves us deeply. And so I think if you're in that place of sickness, I think God would say to you today, talk to me. Come on, ask me. Trust me. Look to me. Um, look with expectancy. And how about this one? Let my people pray for you. Very good. Thank you, Wes. Um, I've just written a couple of points down that came out of that. Um, and I think I encourage you, maybe if you've got another 20 minutes or so, to have a listen and jot down some of these key points but the first thing I got was that um you know to assess the distortions that we might have in our own life of God um that the, the sickness and punishment are not linked together um and that's biblical that's not Wes's opinion and that he is all about redeeming us as well um so yeah I'm going to hold on to that this week as, as we go through and I guess the next thing is Wes I'm going to ask you to pray but also encourage those who are listening to do what you have just said talk to God ask him trust him and look to him with expectancy heavenly father thank you for Jesus 
thank you that he is the most accurate, reliable picture that we will ever have of you. Thank you for all of us listening, whether we are well in body, mind and spirit or whether we have needs today. Thank you that we are loved by you. Thank you that you have so many different ways to get our attention. And Lord, you have it right now. And so in Jesus' name, Father, I thank you for your healing power. And I pray for everybody who's listening, that your spirit will come upon us and birth in us a deep trust of you, that you love us and that you have our best interests at heart and that you know how to repair and heal body, mind and spirit. So in Jesus' name, receive now the healing of Christ into your being. In his name I pray. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. Do share this with anyone you think it might uh, be of benefit to. And next week, we're going to be looking and exploring at one of your questions again, which is what might get in the way of healing. So we look forward to seeing you or speaking to you very soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Coffee Pods. We hope that you have found today's episode helpful and inspiring. If you have a question of your own about Christian healing, send it to info at acornchristian.org and we'll respond. For more information about Acorn, our events and how to support our work, check out www.acornchristian.org. See you next time.